Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nejda Zadurian. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. This week, we are continuing our series of podcasts from the Science and Technology Convergence Conference. We were happy to be the media partner of the STC conference, which was organized by SmartGate's Catalyst Foundation, with the support of the European Union and the GIZ Foundation. Our guest this week is Lucy Abgaryan. Lucy is a scientist and biotech executive currently based in Southern California. Her company, Grit Gene Therapeutics, is working on finding a cure for myotonic dystrophy. We spoke about Lucy's journey as a scientist and executive, and what it takes to build a company that is focused on finding a cure for a specific disease. Lucy also shared with us her experience in working with institutions in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Lucy John, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Nishdejan, for giving an opportunity to talk about biotech and biotech in Armenia particularly. Yeah. Thank you. Let's start with a little bit of your background. You have a long career as a scientist. Uh, you've worked at different prestigious institutions, and now you also have a business background. You've done your MBA. Tell us a little bit about what got you interested in merging these two fields. Why did you want to move from academia into bringing science to the market? Sure. I mean, I always like to start talking about my education and background from my school. The high school that I went is Fizmat yeah. in Armenia, in Yerevan. I was born and raised in Yerevan. And I think that's very important part of my life, life school and also education academic school, right? Then I went to physics department. And when I went to physics department, I didn't go because I wanted to become a scientist, but I wanted to continue having fun with my friends. And most of them were going to physics department. But eventually I gained interest in science and particularly science that has something to do with living. Uh And the closest to it was in physics department, molecular physics, molecular biophysics, department. So I went there, I did my master's there and PhD. During my PhD, I had a chance to move to San Diego and did part of it at Scripps Research Institute, which is pretty well respected, doing great, amazing research applied bioscience nationwide, worldwide. I was very lucky to end up in a group that I ended up and we have had amazing projects. One of them is already an FDA-approved drug. It had an FDA approval in 2020. It was the spin-off happened in 2008. The company called Receptos. Mm-hmm. After a couple of years still being in preclinical phase one, it got acquired by Celgene for $7.3 billion. Wow. I mean, when you see these numbers and yeah. your science... I mean, you start thinking how the business, the back backstage thing happening, right. right? And then my two other projects eventually became another spin-off, Blackthorn Therapeutics, which was located in Bay Area because that's what investors wanted. And usually you please investors. Mm-hmm. And those are for neurodegenerative disorders, two completely different targets. Currently, they are in phase one and phase two in clinical trials. And seeing all of these processes and then Celgene with my first project got also acquired by Bristol mm-hmm. Mayors for over 70 something billion mm-hmm. dollars. 
So during all of this period, like the business aspect of the things were kind of interesting for me. And then I decided, you know what, I will, I need some basic education and knowledge on this. So I decided to go to UCSD, which has amazing uh, business school, particularly aimed for people who already have some professional background, but they want either to pursue uh, entrepreneurial career or move to C-suite. And I did my MBA in uh, entrepreneurship, innovation and corporate governance. Mm -hmm. And the program was amazing. It gave an opportunity to directly from the MBA program start working with startup companies. Mm -hmm. And the connection that I have made was with Israel, Israel Uh being the startup nation. And a little bit of me trying to understand like how we can learn from there and how we can apply things in connection to Armenia because we have a lot of similarities. Smaller nation, being in geopolitically awful positioning. Yeah, yeah, and also having a huge potential with diaspora. I was thinking that I have to, there is a lot that I can learn from there. So I have worked with over 32 startup companies based in Israel, moving to US market or just being in Israel by themselves. And uh, during this period of time, I helped to establish one startup company in um, in connection to defense mm-hmm. with optical communications. Israeli company? No, that was a US-based company, okay. a small contract company for defense, which started because it was a defense contractor. It had to start and finish with the project. Mm-hmm. Another company was uh, an uh, analytical laboratory, um, testing laboratory based in California. And then then I started another project, which is Prune. Porn Labs, basically where I decided to bring in together all my skills, the science and business and consult startup companies. And basically now it works as a CRO, contract mm-hmm. research organization. And what we have uh, here, I love modern technologies, machine learning, AI, the amount of uh, help they bring in to expedite processes yeah. is amazing. Uh, and at Prune Labs, I'm trying to, even though we do everything, wet lab, business consulting, regulatory consulting, but I want our main focus to be helping the digital modern technologies and conservative good old science to come together and have more amplified effect in terms of discoveries and coming to market, basically. And then finally, the Grid Gene Therapeutics, which is a pure pharmaceutical company. Uh, We are working with rare disorders. We are working on finding treatment for rare disorders. We have a couple different approaches. Cell therapy, personalized, is one direction. Another direction is uh, targeting particular proteins that are involved in this with small molecules. And here we are working on collaboration and one of the companies that we are uh, in process of having discussions for collaboration is another Armenian startup, Biosim. Mm -hmm. We are hoping to have good findings in this collaboration Mm -hmm. and expedite the process. Right. So I want to dive deep into Gertjean, but before we do that, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your experience working with Israeli startups. So the Israeli ecosystem is much, much more developed than than Armenia's for sure. Um, But as you mentioned, there's a lot of similarities and maybe we're somewhere along the way to one day catching up in our own scale. 
What are some major takeaways you got from from working with the Israeli ecosystem, and what are some lessons we can take and, and improve our own? Well, I mean, I definitely, and when I'm criticizing us, right? I mean, this is a constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want us to learn on this and course, uh, yeah. and apply it, right? So. One of the things that I like in general in their relationship, and I think we need to take this, is how they are doing things for nation and not for government. Uh-huh. Okay. We are a very person-oriented nation. We want to do something because this is here, this person is here, or that person is here. How about we just do it for cause and not for one or another person? Uh-huh. I think that's number one takeaway. Everybody doesn't doesn't matter. They are in opposition. They are in a governing party or where, wherever they are outside. Do they share the views or not? If this is business, they are doing their business if this is for nation they are doing they are doing their job right and i think that's number one thing that we have to learn from them discipline nobody can compare with like we we definitely are like really behind i mean it has its explanation right all of their military services and everything the entire nation is so disciplined it's like behind uh, believable norms but i Saying all of this, I'm not saying that it's impossible to do here. But I think we have to take ourselves seriously. We have to respect what we are doing. We have to respect ourselves and people with whom we are doing. I think if we do that, things will be much, much better. I mean, very simple things like responding to emails. Like Mm -hmm. when you see the email, or we should make a routine thing, right? To check our emails every day and like at least in 24 hours, give a response to something. Here I'm seeing that, for example, like lacking. So I think work culture, the discipline, right, and also and the priorities for what, why we are doing it, what we are doing it is very important. Right, yeah. Um, let's talk about grit gene therapeutics. So my understanding is that your the primary focus of the company is finding treatment for myotrophic dystrophy type 2. Did I get that right? Almost, yeah. Uh, it's myotonic dystrophy, myotonic type, dystrophy two. type 2. That's our number one target, yes. Yeah. And short form is DM2. Yes, Let's go with correct. that for the rest of the <laughs> yes, podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about how the models for these businesses work when you're you're targeting a very, very specific thing, finding treatment for this one specific disease. How do you build a business around that? Well, I mean, I have to be honest, right? This is not your classical biotech model. Mm-hmm. Very classical model would be like what we had with the receptors. You do the research in academia, uh, then you basically come up with uh, an idea, an IP, and then you license the IP, and then you you know around what you are going. Yeah. And I mean, in case of receptors, with, when we were targeting uh, MS, multiple sclerosis, I mean, even in that case, eventually when you start doing commercialization, you can kind of do the market analysis and understand which one has better market, for which market you have better penetration, in which cases your reimbursement systems will work better. I mean, it, it's a it's a full process. Right, and this is usually in the form of a drug, developing uh, a drug. Yeah, I mean, it's it mo- mo- I'm yeah. like talking the most common right. small molecule drug yeah. scenario, right? I mean, in case of grit gene, things were a little different. Not a little, they were completely not traditional. So we didn't have a solution, but there was a disease. Usually, not in biotech in general. Where do you? When do you start a business? When When there is an unmet need, Uh when you have money and you want to do something with it, right? And or when you have a new technology. Right. In this case, fortunately, we had money, Uh and we had unmet need. Right. So technology 
let's create let's the technology. Right. So that was the approach ingredients case, which again, it's not the most traditional. And biotech is not high digital, digital or, IT. or IT sphere, right? It's very investment heavy, resource heavy field. The investments are high, but the return is very fruitful as yeah. well. The failing rate is very high as well. Mm -hmm. So you take your risks, but you can do some risk assessment. In our case, we have some plan Bs and, and so on. Yeah. However, I mean, that's that's usually how it happens. In our case, it was like unmet need, and particularly DM2 is so overlooked, and there are diagnostic issues because people are not being properly diagnosed, so there is misunderstanding of how large the market is yeah. for DM2. So we have also like the backup plan yeah. that like phase two, phase three, perhaps not for trials, but mm -hmm. like for business that uh, eventually when we are coming closer to the part where we can launch something, we can start doing our trials of personalized treatments. In that stage, we have planned where we will come with our machine learning technologies, promoting or helping leveraging the diagnostic field, how to use the machine learning digital health to direct people to this diagnosis early stage, which will, from business perspective, it will expand our market. Yeah. But also from humanitarian perspective, people will diagnose much, much earlier, and then they will be able to do some preventive mm -hmm. care, which we are basically working on right. providing eventually. And along the way to finding the, the treatment, are there ways to generate revenue for a business like this? Or is it just, is it just investing more and more capital into reaching the mostly, goal? Mostly, yeah, mostly that's the case. I think I want to see biotech moving into a space where your shareholders are the patients right. because they have the most interest in it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine when you have this ecosystem, when they are the decision makers, when they are the investors, and they are the ones who are keeping you accountable right. for what you are doing instead of being it. And when, if you look on our website, which is very immature because we don't do marketing or anything for the website, I mean, for the company, but uh, you will see that we are cure driven and not business driven. Right. And we are very careful from whom we are taking money, right. even though we had offers to to have investment just because they knew the team mm -hmm. and they know what type of work we have done previously. People want to invest early on, right? right. We don't want to take any money that is going to want us to sort of be a thorn on your yeah to yeah. change the direction to change right. the priorities when we have certain technology coming up and ready to license we might license branch out to keep sustainability mm -hmm. but so far that's not an that hasn't been an issue mm -hmm. for us so before we dive even deeper uh, just tell us a little bit about what exactly dm2 is how many people does it affect and why did you decide to work on this specific disease Ah, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a very complex, it's not completely clearly understood disorder. It's a very complex disorder. Uh, it has good sides. I'm talking from scientific perspective, right. <laughs> the good sides and the not so good sides. It's very understudied. So that's what we do. Like we are trying to dig into it as deep as possible to yeah. understand completely the mechanism of this disorder. It's a single gene disorder. There is extension on intron 
of CNBP gene, uh, CCTG repeat mm -hmm. for different patients. It different the extension has different amount. For some, it can be hundred repeats of CCTG gene. For some, it can have eleven thousand repeats, which makes the targeting even more hard. So, mm -hmm. for which particular patient you are finding, right. you are you are creating modified treatment, right? However, the symptomatic of the disorder is very, very wide. Cataract can be one of the symptoms. Muscle weakness and deterioration can be one of it. Myotonia can be another. In some cases, it can affect heart and other smooth muscles. It can have effect on cognitive abilities. A deterioration of cognitive system can take place. So it, it is all over the place. And different people have different symptoms. Symptomatics. And a lot of time when they see a doctor first time, a physician first time, they are being misdiagnosed. And it takes time because they are being misdiagnosed. They are being treated for something completely different. It's not having right effect. I know patients, because we are having relationship with our patients, I know patients that it took 14 years for them to get the right diagnosis. To get right wow. diagnosis. And there are a lot of physicians that it seems like they are not even aware of this disorder in order to diagnose and the final correct diagnosis can be done by genetic test mm -hmm. and the healthcare system thinks that the genetic testing is an expensive way so they would not send every single person right. to get diagnosis just because they came to see a neurologist. Right. So when I was talking about our backup diagnostic help, is this is the case when if we have enough information collected that we can use machine learning to predict that, you know what, putting all of this together, mm. this person is a candidate for genetic test. Right. And we can show that for healthcare system, for reimbursement system insurances, it is more profitable or less hurtful right. to diagnose those mm. category of people, send them for genetic tests, uh, spend a little bit more money to do genetic tests at this stage uh, rather than every year try to mm -hmm. figure out what's happening with this person. So I, we are thinking our reimbursement can come from there. Right. We can also have the patients who are, who are truly diagnosed and, uh, right. and the awareness will kind of spread with this as well. And are you guys involved in the diagnostic part of the cycle? Do you guys That's do what we want to do eventually, but we are not there. Right. No. Okay. Why did you guys decide to work on, on DM2 specifically? Um, it was like scientific challenge, it's I guess. It's an interesting <laughs> problem to, to Well, I mean, we worked with MS and I also I was at that moment, I started working with, with a team, actually, Armenian company, uh, that are working on 3D printing. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone approached us saying, what do you know about DM? And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know anything about DM. Like, so I googled <laughs> about DM2 particularly. I mean, uh, they were asking about clinical trials. I said, I don't know any clinical trials that are yeah. happening. So I, I looked in my network. I reached out different places. And everybody was like, no, nobody's working on DM2. There are works on DMD. There are works on DM1 mm -hmm. because the market, obvious market is larger. Right. And also the causalities are like more harsh and for those disorders people are being diagnosed from childhood very often and i started looking and researching and i saw a lot of similarities with ms like uh, symptomatic wise also 
Uh, however, I mean, the etiology of the disorders are completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, then particular person was like, if I find investments and everything, will you will you be willing to work on it? For like about a year, I was convincing him from different ways that this is not a good idea. Okay. That uh, this is like, oh, you, you know, like there is in best case scenario, you read that every eight, every one person in 8,000 has DM. Mm-hmm. And the probability of DM1 or DM2 is like one to one. So, mm-hmm. which means like one in every 4,000 should have DM2. Okay. So, it's not that rare, but because of the diagnostic issues, it's like considered much more rare. Right. Uh, and the then after a year, almost a year, nine months or so, I think I was so much invested <laughs> in this research that when he called again and he said, so what are you saying? And I kept sending him these articles, how biotech fails, what's the failing rate, right. and like all the negativity of like like why this is not a good yeah. idea. And then he was like, okay, so are we doing this or not? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So um, that, that's how I started working on it because, okay. I mean, it's a huge ocean yeah. where where you can do so much. And the the fulfilling part is that... Because so little is done in this field, every small step is going to have a huge impact. Got it. Even if we don't be the one who finds the solution, that's how I think yeah. we are going to be the one who finds the solution. Yeah. But uh, even if someone else finds the solution, we are going to be very happy. We are going to p- completely support this. This problem will be solved. Yes. Yeah. And when I was talking with a uh, lab so that bioinformatics team can work on it. Yeah. I mean, if we are not doing basic research. For basic research, you can take data from everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's available everywhere. But for applied science, for personalized science even more, we have to have this particular person's data right. to be worked upon. So if you are doing it either in-house or you are outsourcing, let's say we are doing proteomics, RNA uh, analysis, profiling, in collaboration with Sunny, Sunny Albany, they definitely have bioinformatics right. team there. And then there is the question, why are you taking this data that we generated and sending it somewhere we else and creating another contract? You are paying, I mean, from business perspective, you are paying uh, us in direct costs. You are paying them in direct costs. Yeah. You are like doubling some administrative costs. For what? Yeah. So from business perspective, it does not make sense yeah. at all. Well, I mean, if we can find ways to kind of, I mean, it, the entering the space has to be done step by step. It cannot happen overnight. All of a sudden, we cannot have this great system where we have all the core facilities, everything working together as a system. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But we have to kind of understand how this can kind of move forward. And of course, and I hear this from my colleagues too, that we are uh, we have to see where was our strong side and use it. And I think it has been done very successfully already. Like, again, the example of Biosim, mm-hmm. that is basically U.S. company that has team that's working here. And then there are a couple others. I might, I don't want to say other names because I am not familiar with all of them. Right. But again, we need to do certain steps to, to do also the other part of the research, the wet lab. So what can be done here basically to help the scientists or the teams to get attracted 
I think we have to, as in, in any business, let's look at it as a business. We, you have to have a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. If you don't have competitive advantage, you cannot penetrate the, the market. The market. Yeah. And then for a competitive advantage, I have different ideas, like what can be done. One of the things is the indirect cost being very high. Can Armenia? No, no, in general, right? In the world, when you are going, the fees are very high. I think one of the things that can be done, if we cut the cost, any biotech, if they can cut the cost significantly entering here, they might take the risk of doing it. I think nobody has heard about Armenia in in, in the biotech in world. big biotech world. Right. Yeah, because I have tried before 2020 to kind of refocus from different places to Armenia. And they're like, they don't know. Then the first thing they Google, it seems like it's in a region that it's, it might not be too safe. And this was even between before 2020, uh -huh. these conversations. Now even probably people will be more scared to invest mm -hmm. in this area. So I think what really needs to be done, Armenian-owned or Armenian participating businesses, small businesses, biotech, should penetrate just taking the risk on their own skin and come in. But for that, Armenia has to kind of provide, help them to justify why they are doing it. Right. And as I said, it can be in form of indirect cost cutting, overhead cuttings. It can be like how the IP is going to be taken care of. I mean, there are different avenues that this can be done. But also, I think uh, one of the really cool things that can happen here, which I think is very far from being happening, is Yerevan is a small city. Mm -hmm. And we can take advantage of it. There are different institutions. How about we connect all of them under one network and we call it one big institution mm -hmm. and just each institution becomes certain core, certain facility, and they work together under one roof, whatever and you want to call it. Absolutely. And yeah. each one of them is being responsible for certain parts. So nobody repeats the resources are very limited. But this collaborative environment can make it very efficient mm -hmm. as a system. They can not double their resources. They will not have overlaps. Uh, but same time, uh, they will be able to handle uh, covering costs for bringing something new in. Right. Right. And by, by that, I don't mean only like equipments and wet lab, but also uh, logistics. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be some sort of umbrella organization that houses the current institutes that we have and perhaps, organizations that perhaps. we have mm -hmm. to make it all work more efficiently you think yeah i think and i think just being armenian knowing how our brain works uh, -huh. uh i think it might not necessarily be any of the organizations that already exist there needs to be some new something that yeah. is completely independent right doesn't have any particular interest in any of these institutions so that it will be fair for everyone. I can understand or I can see how one institute, let's say if Institute A will become the umbrella, bringing everyone else, I kind of can see how people will not feel like going under that institute's umbrella. Right. But if we can create something, and it doesn't have to be a resourceful thing, uh -huh. but if we create something that is basically overseeing everything and being the connective net, yeah. it might work out. I think this should be some type of structure that is containing people, professionals from abroad and from inside. Mm -hmm. I see the great things are happening here. There is a move 
towards creating something. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's very important to involve the reliable, really good professionals that are in, in Armenia. Armenia. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's the key. Because business people, they have amazing skills of selling yeah. and understanding what the business needs are. Mm -hmm. But you cannot understand what the scientific needs are, what are the shortcomings, what are the hurdles, if you don't involve people who are actually doing that work. Yeah. Who do you think needs to be the one to take, that, take the leadership, take that initiative? Is it something for the state to be doing or should it be coming from private industry? No, I think... I don't think that it, we need to be uh, dependent upon government uh -huh. because, as I have mentioned earlier, we are a type of nation that is very people-oriented. Yeah. And if it becomes a state-dependent something, when depending on who is going to go be the government, cycle, we are going to start, start doing or not doing, like how the funds closed because the uh, the system has changed right, right? Like i mean Lewis it, yeah, yeah exactly like seriously people need to get education young yeah. people are knowing, not going to wait for your battles yeah i mean the focus the priorities has to be different i think that's why until we learn to un like differentiate yeah. <laughs> the important from non-important yeah. i mean for each uh, each individual field i'm not saying that government is not mm -hmm. important i'm just saying for biotech yeah. our focus is biotech I think that's one of the issues. If each one of us does what we are good at instead right. of like doing what we like everything else. Right. I am right. I am not a more political an analyst. Right. I'm not going to start analyzing this. I can I can have my personal judgment right. as an yeah. educated person. Yeah. But we have the tendency to become political analysts or virologists or, or epidemiologists <laughs> or whatever whenever the right. need comes. So <laughs> So another thing we were speaking a lot about at uh, STCC, the Science Technology Convergence Conference, is strategic directions. And one thing I learned in a conversation with another exec from the biotech industry is that Boston, which is really considered the global capital of, of the biotech industry, started investing in biotech all the way back in the 60s when it wasn't clear at all you know, that biotech would become this incredible mover in the world. And when thinking about strategic directions for Armenia, there are some things that are often spoken about. For instance, agriculture is a huge part of our economy. Um, so things like agrotech are super important to boost the productivity and things like that. Why is biotech important for Armenia? Why should we really be focusing on it and investing in it in here? Well, I mean, we have great potential for that we have the brains if you look globally right. in my team i have like significant amount of armenians yeah. that are not from armenia mm -hmm. and i mean they are the and they i kind of brought them together from their key roles in their institutions right. they were not like oh we don't have job we are armenians can like can we be? no right. uh, like they are the key players uh -huh. in their roles so we have this national potential intellectual potential one uh it is investment heavy but also it's a re like return as i said is quite significant yeah. significant it can be significantly higher in certain term than even small it company returns mm -hmm. can be so i think for economic impact it can be very significant um and yeah. it has the in, for global economy, the impact of biotech yeah. is significant. So, right, so it's important for, for in order to become a global player. Absolutely, yeah. why not? I mean, we, yeah. because the, the, if the brains are being used outside, why not use it to create uh, the, the potential here in here Armenia. in Armenia? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Lucy, our last question. Um, where do you hope to see both Gritgene and the Armenian biotech ecosystem in the next five to 10 years? What are your hopes for them? Well, I think for for Gritgene, I want to have a patient who have used our Silgen uh, therapy and had a positive result. By the way, do you guys do clinical trials now or are you not no, there yet? No, but our technology is such because it's a um, precision medicine. It's a personalized medicine. So we directly work with patients oh, right okay. now. So what we do techno- in technology-wise, I cannot kind of open everything yeah. up, but basically in few words, we take the samples from the patients. We basically take it back to stem cell mm-hmm. stage. We then create pre-certain type of cell stems uh-huh. and we modify the gene and then we give it back to the patients basically like to say it roughly right okay without opening any of the secrets of, yeah of trade secrets <laughs> uh, yeah all the processes right. i would say so that's why we are it's not a clinical trial hmm. however we are already directly working with patients patients. patient samples and if we have it ready and we have given it to at least one patient yeah. in uh, five years. That'd That's be a huge one. Right. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And what about for the Armenian biotech ecosystem? What's the What's the one indicator those that we should be optimizing for? Uh, what should we optimizing, or where do you think we will be? What do we optimize for to get to where we need to be? In five yeah, years? I think the taking this as a business for having a business, we have to understand what are the needs. Right. What resources do we have for these needs to overcome? We have to have an agenda. We have to have a collaboration. We have to have a leadership. Mm -hmm. Those are like key factors that we have to have. And we have to have push it forward. We have to have agenda and we have to have people who are going to stay accountable for pushing this agenda forward. Yeah, I mean we can we can go more in depth in technical things, but we are. I, I don't think That's there is the need message. for that. Yeah. But again, I'm pretty sure in five years we will have system. I'm very optimistic about it. However, I think if we do it in collaborative manners and we do it as a team all together, yeah. uh, I, by all together, I mean diaspora and Armenia together, and most importantly, institutions within, within Armenia. Armenia together. And I think one very important factor is that what like we were talking about state, about government, right? I think they have to be just like standing there on ready mode to whenever anything needs to be changed to change right we don't have the luxury to say oh you know what like in united states this is how they do in yeah. germany this is how no yeah. we are not there right. we are we are at the stage that we have to be an we are an agile yeah we have to be agile we are a startup as a country yeah we have to be agile everybody has to wear many different hats and we have to be ready to do any type of modifications to bring the clients to us. In this case, client is biotech. And companies. And, and companies and individuals who are considering. If right. they looked, it's like in marketing, right? When somebody clicked, you want them to stay there. Right. So what are right. you de- doing to like to keep them? Right. <laughs> Just giving them Horvath and Kebab is not going to be. That's a great analogy. <laughs> All right, Lucy John, thank you so, so much for, for joining us today and enlightening us with, with all of your knowledge. Um, I hope next time you're in Armenia, we'll have a chance again to sit down and, uh, and continue the conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you so Lucy. much.